Miss Dana has a special this morning. Allie and Chelsea did a good job. I'm going to keep getting them up here so they won't be shaking like me when they're in their 40s. <laughs> uh, this week, as I was watching some of the weather in the news, they showed a picture of a lady. Of course, they showed the tornadoes coming. And they, I was so glad that they had filmed and totally showed her praying. I don't know if any of y'all saw that. I'm telling my age because I watch a weather channel. So, um, But she was praying and she was asking God to deliver them from the tornado. And it was very close. And it picked up and it went over everything on her property. Set back down and then destroyed everything around it. And when I found this song, Can't Live a Day Without You, even brought it closer to home. You know, we can have everything, and even those things can be taken away, but if we don't have Christ, we can't live, not even a day.
If you would, begin turning to Genesis 22. If you would, stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. And it says in Genesis 22 and verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and a lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, dear Lord. Help us to examine it this morning. And dear Lord, take away from it what it really means to worship. Dear Lord, just help us to give you all the honor and praise for our lives. Dear Lord, thank you for your son and the sacrifice. May our focus be on that this morning. In your name I pray, amen. If you will, bow, for, bow sorry, sit. You can have a seat. Webster's defines worship as an act of expressing reverence to a divine being. Worship is difficult for some to, people to fully comprehend. Many scholars have dedicated much of their work into defining what worship really is. Some have written many books about it. In most any Christian magazine, there will be an article about worship. This morning, I'd like to take a look at the first time the word worship is ever mentioned in the Scripture and for us to draw a conclusion of what worship is. Now, I think it's very important to note that Abraham here, he, he's the first person to ever use the word worship in the Bible, and he, he's, he's ready to go worship God. The first thing I want to talk about is worship takes putting our desires aside. Genesis 22, 1-6 is what we just read. And, it, and God said, go offer Isaac for a sacrifice. You know, I looked up that word worship in Webster's. I've just already read that. But the literal translation means to bow down. Allowing someone else to be in control. We may think that we may think we are in control, but the truth is, God is. And He always has been. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 95. In verses 1 through 6. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is, in, is His also. The sea is His 
and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. And his hands formed the dry land. You know, it's amazing to see that here the psalmist talks about creation. It talks about the creation. And uh, we, if we are going to truly worship, must realize that he created us. We are his creation. We, we are so much lower than Him. We must bow down to Him. And we must put our desires aside if we're truly going to worship Him. Isaac, Abraham's son, was the son of promise. Everything Abraham hoped for. The crowning achievement of his life. And Abraham puts that aside. And he's willing to give it back to God. The gift God gave him would become his sacrifice. You know, I put in your bullens, we get to drive to church. Abraham and Isaac, they walked. Not only did they walk, but they walked over mountains, hills. They, they walked. They carried a lot of stuff. They had to carry the fire. They had to carry the wood. They, I mean, this, this wasn't just a little short drive to church. They had to do things. And things that caused them probably physical exhaustion. But they did it to go worship God. They put their selves aside. What, what is our hassle? Waking up at 10 o'clock? I, I've come to realize that when we grow up, 10 o'clock is not so early anymore. Exalting God means putting me aside. In Psalms 99, it says in verse 5, Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. You know, John the Baptist had this principle nailed to the T. He did, because when Jesus comes on the scene, and John's disciples, they're worried because they're losing some of their following. Uh, They asked John in John chapter 3, In verse 30, uh, they asked John about uh, what, what, what do we do? We're losing our crowd. John replies with this answer. He must increase, but I must decrease. John had it to a T. He said, I've got to decrease. I've got to become lower. I've got to become less. We've been studying on Wednesday nights in our youth group. We've been studying uh, friendships. And what it takes to have a godly friendship. And we know that the scripture says we should prefer one another. And I'm telling you this morning, I'm trying to make God more than a friend. I'm trying to make him king of my life. It's going to take me decreasing. It's going to take me decreasing so that he can increase. And that's what worship does. Worship increases God. So what do we have to do with ourselves? We have to decrease. We have to put ourselves aside. Abraham put himself aside, showing the willingness of his heart. Do you notice that when, when God tells Abraham to go, he goes? He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't stick around and ask Sarah, hey, are you, you think this is okay? No, he goes. That's the kind of willingness God or Abraham had towards God. 
Abraham knew God's plan was much better than he could ever come up with. Next, we must worship takes the realization that God is doing something extraordinary. Back to our text in Genesis 22 and verse 7, it says, And Isaac came unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Isaac is going, as it seems, as if he doesn't even know what the sacrifice is going to be. Abraham, on the other hand, has a trust in God that says, I realize that God is going to do something spectacular. He's going to do something extraordinary here at this place of worship. But to get in the mind of Abraham and realize what he's really thinking, we have to look at the New Testament in Hebrews 11. In verses 17 and not through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, and whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Here it is, verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham thought even if he was to kill Isaac, God would raise him up. Do you realize the trust that went into that? He, God had said, through Isaac, you will be called. You will be established. That's where all your descendants are coming from. From Isaac, those will be the people of God. And Abraham grabbed hold of that promise. And he said, you know, I don't understand. Maybe he said that. But he said, I do know that God can even raise him up from the dead. Abraham trusted God and trusted that God had a plan, so he gave all that he had to God. You know, another example of this is the worship at Pentecost. Christ said, wait at Jerusalem. Wait at Jerusalem. We had fishermen that weren't making money. We had, we had men that they... they didn't know what was going on, but God, Christ said, wait at Jerusalem. And so they waited. And then Peter preached a message, and God's Word led people to salvation. Something extraordinary happened. Do we realize that this morning? Do we believe God is working in this service? Do we believe extraordinary things can happen with God? Do we believe that God is moving through this church? Do we believe something, someone here this morning could be saved? Do we trust God to move? I tell you what, if you don't, the worship's obsolete. It has no purpose. But whenever you look and you realize God can do amazing things, He did something amazing in me, then you have a heart of worship. When you realize that the extraordinary can happen with God. 
Worship takes a focus on a sacrifice. Genesis 22, 8-14. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth the hand and took the knife to slay him. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Here I am. Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Worship takes a focus on a sacrifice. According to Webster's definition in our first part, worship is an act of expressing reverence to a divine being. You know, there is... There's something here, I said, worship takes a focus on a sacrifice. Excuse me, I should have wrote true worship takes a focus on a sacrifice. Because there is only one divine being, and that's God Himself. And the way He chooses for us to worship is looking at His Son that He sent to die for my sin. Abraham said, the Lord will provide Himself a sacrifice. There's a prophecy there. God will provide Himself a sacrifice. Anything other than that is not worship. He knew God was the one providing. He knew this this would be worship. He knew on the Mount Moriah, this would be worship. Because God was going to provide. Whether it be bringing his son back to life. Or whether it meant bringing the ram. He knew that would be worship. Because there would be a sacrifice. Christ is our sacrifice. There's no more sacrifices to offer. Just to praise Christ. Hebrews 10. I love this verse. Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14. And every priest standeth daily ministering and following and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews puts it like this. There was many sacrifices offered by priests. But those sacrifices weren't taking away the sin. 
The sacrifice of one man, Christ Jesus himself, is what took away the sin. And now we are to worship him. We are to worship him. He is our focus. He is our, he is our hope. You know, I've, I've realized in Hebrews 11 that Abraham had hope. The story wasn't going to end with him cutting Isaac's throat. Isaac would come back and live. Come back to the servants and live. One way or another, he realized that. And I tell you what, there's no other reason to worship than Jesus Christ. He died for my sins, but he didn't stay there. He came back to life, and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father. And you want to look at any other religion in the world, and this is the only religion that has true worship, because only a divine being can raise from the dead. Do we have a reason to worship? Absolutely so. It's Christ Jesus. If you don't have a reason to worship, what does Christ mean to you? Is He your Lord and Savior? If you don't have a reason to worship, I don't think so. He died for my sins, so I will praise His holy name. He came and died for me and then rose again three days later for me. So I will praise His holy name. As the song minister comes, if you've, if you've got the other desires right, if you've come expecting something extraordinary to happen in this service, if you've come and you, and you say, well, I, I put myself aside, I came to church, but you don't have the last part right. The focus on Christ, our living sacrifice, then your worship's not there. It's not true worship. But if you do, you have a reason to worship this morning.